Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Today we start a new series and the theme of the series is called With Love. With Love. Somebody say With Love. This entire month, we're going to be in a series with love, all right? And I kick off this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 to 14. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. Glory be to Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. God is so good. God is so good. All right, the Bible says this. Watch Stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And he says, let all that you do be done with love. Come on now, say that. Let all that you do be done with love. Let's read another text and then we'll mark our bearings. Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Verse 34 to 40. Mm. Pharisees, always looking for Jesus' trouble. Always, always. The Bible says, but when the Pharisees heard that, <laughs> that he had silenced their brothers, the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments. In other words, these two commandments is the entire fulfillment of the Old Testament. The law, all right, and the prophets. So the topic of our conversation this particular morning, the first part of the series is God's love for me. God's love for me. Now... We said last week that this is our year of spiritual growth, growth, all-around growth, we said, and that if you're going to grow, you need, there is an orderly, the Bible talks about Luke, it's talking about an orderly account, an orderly presentation of scripture, all right? There is a very specific order in which you learn Bible. You don't, you don't approach the scripture in a haphazard way, all right? So you cannot be learning about spiritual warfare if you haven't learned about love. Love is fundamental and foundational. Not everything that is fundamental is foundational. So I'll give you an example. If you want to learn about communication, you need to learn about reading and writing, correct? Talk to me, yes? Yes. But that is fundamental to communication, but that's not foundational. You know what's foundational to communication? Alphabets. A, B, C, D. Before you can read and write, you must have learned the alphabets, right? And so many times in the body of Christ, maybe because of how we come to Jesus, demons were chasing you. And immediately you gave your heart to Christ, you came to the altar. The next book you grabbed was spiritual warfare. But love is one of those topics that you must understand if you're going to walk with God. It is fundamental. It is foundational. Many times we actually treat the subject of love like it's abstract. Like it's one of those, uh, it's not interesting. Well, guess what? You cannot walk with God without understanding the concept of love. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he said to them, the first commandment is love God. The second commandment is love others. In other words, all the commandments is love, pretty much. Do you understand that? Absolutely. So, 
Everything that we do as Christians that does not have its roots in love is not acceptable to God. Love is the lens by which God is going to measure our works. The Bible talks about, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's talking about how our works will be tested by fire. One of the things that will test your works is if it was sprinkled with love or if it was done by love. You know what's interesting about Scripture? When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. Let's read verse 3. The Bible is talking about, that's the text that talks about love, by the way. Love is kind. Love is all these other things. And some of us think we know what love is. But look at what, what really struck me here. The Bible says that, even though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now, how do you bestow your goods to feed the poor and you don't have love? Do you understand that? That tells me immediately that what many of us describe as love is not what God calls love. How do you, I give all my goods to the poor, and do I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That tells me that love is not just the actions that you do, it's also the motive behind the actions. It's the heart behind it. Because you can give all your goods. So, human beings, you know we're very emotional people. We have a soul, so we can be manipulated emotionally. Let's assume that someone comes into this room right now, and they're visibly sick. Like, maybe they like have like a big goiter. I'm just sorry, I just had to think about that. If you lived in my home country growing up, you probably saw some guy in traffic that had this big goiter on his neck. Anyways, and the guy is sick, and he's like, oh, please, I need money, I need money. Uh, oh, I'm dying, give me money. Now, we're going to raise a lot of money for that person here. Why? Emotions. And that person comes in. The person is sick, but you can't see it on him. The person says, I'm sick, please give me some money. People are going to be like, how do we know is anyone really sick? Do you understand that? That tells you that as human beings, there's an emotional giving, emotional act that we, that we do or that we carry out that is not really rooted in love, even though we think it is. Sometimes you can do good works, but the motive is recognition. Sometimes you can do good works because they make you feel good. How many of you have ever felt good when you gave someone something before? Don't lie. All the time. Once you do good, something good, you feel, you feel good with yourself. So that can become the motive for which you do good works and it's really not love. So we're here to have an in-depth conversation about the concept of love this month. I pray that God would help us. God would shift us. God would give us better understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that God is spirit. Not a spirit. God is spirit. The Bible tells us that God is light. The Bible also tells us that God is love. In other words, it's not like God has love. God is love. That's his nature. That's the motive for all his actions. That's who he is. So if God is love and we're made in the image of God, that means also that we're creatures of love. We should be creatures of love. All right? We were, we were at the conception, the idea of our relationship with God was born out of God's love. All right? So God is love. And there is an exact... I want to teach now. I'm starting to teach now. What I was saying was just introduction. There is an exact sequence to understanding the love of God. Okay? I'll say that again. There is... And, and this whole year, I've said it, we want to be very methodic about the teachings that we do and make them practical, but also systematic. There is a sequence to the love of God or the love that you ought to love God with or the love that you ought to love your neighbor with. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I'm going to read that to you, but I want to read it in an amplified, classic amplified version that gives us a little bit more understanding and then we'll take it forward. This is a scripture, it's popular, the Bible says, and then there's faith, hope, and love, and of all these three, the greatest is love. But, okay, I'll take Amplified, even though it's not classic Amplified, it's fine. The Bible says, and now there remains faith, 
It explains what faith is, which is abiding trust in God and his promises. Hope explains that to be confident expectation of eternal salvation. So it's not just, oh, I hope to become a millionaire someday. This is the hope of eternal salvation. And it says, love. Unselfish love for others. Growing out of God's love for me. The key thing I want to talk about there is that it's growing out of God's love for me. That means that you cannot love others without understanding God's love for you. Do you understand what I've said? This is the systematic approach. It means that God's love for you must first be understood. Then, number one, you can love God. Then, number two, you can love others. You cannot fulfill the great commandment that Jesus was talking about. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your might, and everything you have in you. If you have not first understood God's love for you. The Bible says that it is growing out of God's love for you. In other words, God's love for you is the root of the love you have for God. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So if you try to love God without understanding his love for you, you will be wrong. Actually, you'll be confused. If you try to love other people without understanding the way God expects you to, without understanding God's love for you, you will struggle. You will struggle. If you don't understand the forgiveness that God has given to you, how can you forgive someone that just hurt you last week? And then this week they come and say, I'm broke. Can you borrow me some money? They, without even saying sorry. You know that's what you do to God, right? Or you don't know. Or you don't know. All of you look so guilty right now. You've done something. I mean, you've not probably lived right. You haven't even gone to the place of repentance. The next thing you come, God, oh God, you start bombarding heavens with prayers. If you don't understand a God that will respond to your prayers in that manner, then you cannot give other people love in that manner. You cannot give love unconditionally. All right? So we want to understand God's love for us today. That's what we want to talk about. God's love for us today. The love concept, the concept of love is not utopian. It's not abstract. It's always tied to God's love for us. That's the starting point. That's the foundation. That's the building blocks on which you build everything else upon. And if you haven't grasped it, if you haven't come to terms with it, you will struggle. You will. You'll be disappointed. You'll be in your feelings all the time. You will even be disappointed with God. You will. You will. But you need to understand God's love for you. Simply put, the source of your love is his love. The source of what? Your love is his love. When you try to do love without understanding his love, there will be something wrong there. The source of your love must be his love. The reason why you can love your neighbor unconditionally, all right, is because you understand God's love for you. It's his love. Growing out, growing out, the Bible says, of God's love. The classic Amplified says that growing out of God's love for and in us. For and in us. Amen. We may ask ourselves from time to time, does God love me? Don't, don't pretend. Don't fake, please. I know church people say, oh, I know God loves me. But sometimes, <laughs> you really ask yourself, does God love me? Sometimes we ask ourselves that because of the things we are going through. There's so much pain in your life. And you're going, why would, if God loves me, why is this happening to me? I remember talking to a gentleman one day. Remember this church? And he said, Pastor, if I'm being honest with you, I think God hates me. That's how he felt. Why? He was going through pain. He was going through pain. Sometimes you ask. Does God love you? Even sometimes it's because of the missteps and the many errors that you've committed. Can God love a person like me? Can God love a person like me? Your imperfections are so glaring, so obvious to you. You disappoint yourself all the time. Talk not of God. 
And you're saying, can God really, 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 really love me? Sometimes you ask the question because you can't see him. You know, it's difficult to love someone you can't see or understand the love of someone who you can't see. Because when you talk about the five love languages in our context, they think, you have to be able to see the person, though. Know. Right? What are the love languages? They say, what, gifts, right? Why is it only the ladies that are responding? Acts of service, okay? When you do things for someone, some people, they're, oh, he loves me so much. He takes out the garbage. Mm. <laughs> mm. Some people, it's gifts. If you don't give them gifts, you can tell them, I love you from morning to night. They don't recognize your love. It's not, it's not, it's not, we're not speaking the same language. We're speaking Japanese. All right? Some people, it's words of affirmation. All right? So, they, I love you. You look so beautiful. Oh, I see in this church now, majority, majority of the people in this church are words of affirmation people. Physical touch, another one, right? Some people just like to be touched, hugged, kissed, all those things. Your husband walking around the house just touches you and you're back like, oh, he loves me. Hmm. The other one is quality time, right? Quality time. Someone spends time with you. So that means that <laughs> if that's how we receive love, the five ways that have been described anyways, and you can't see God, good luck understanding his love. Understand that. So we ask the question, does God love me? Does God love me? Sometimes we deem ourselves unlovable. Sometimes the reason why you project onto God is because other people have been flaky in their love for you. Okay? Other people have loved you. So you, you, there, is a, there is a gap also between us and a perfect God. How can a perfect God love an imperfect me? So there is definitely that question exists. It's a very valid question you should ask. The answer is, is yes. Let me just start there. Okay? Before I prove it from scriptures. Yes. How do I know? I know because, number one, of his commitment to you. His commitment to you. God is so committed to you. The scripture says, Isaiah 49, verse 14, it says that, it's talking about Zion. Zion is saying, the Lord has forsaken, this is Zion, Israel. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And then he says in verse 15, he says that, shall a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? He says, surely, even if they forget, or they may forget, yet I will not. Come on now, I will not forget you. It says in verse 16 that I have engraven you in the palm of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. I, I remember watching a movie the other day with my wife. The movie's called Memory, I believe. This guy was losing his memory. Some of you have watched it. You should watch it if you've not watched it. It's a good movie. And this guy was losing his memory, so he had to use a sharpie to write things on his hand so that he would not forget. Our God does not forget to begin with. He's not losing his memory. But even beyond that, he has tattooed your, your name on his hand. He says, I've inscribed you, on the, inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God's commitment to you is unwavering. Unwavering, please. It starts out in verse 15 by saying that, shall a woman forget her nursing child? Now, I understand how you can forget a toddler in the mall. Oh, have you seen them before in the mall that they tie them? Have you seen those toddlers in the mall that the parents tie a rope or something to them? And because these guys, they just, they, they, they wonder. I can understand that. But a woman who is nursing, breastfeeding, ah, if you leave that baby for 10 seconds, your breast starts to beep. You're like, where's my baby? A nursing child. A nursing child. Do you know what a nursing child is? You're carrying them completely dependent on you. No, no, think about it. This is a nursing child. Can you forget a nursing child? Never. 
There are people who forget their kids. Maybe they, uh, there was a guy who actually, it's actually quite sad. Um, this guy had to go to jail. He, he drove to work, forgot that his kids were in the back seat. Went and worked a full shift and came back and met dead kids. Yeah. Yeah. Absent-minded, forgot. Maybe the wife usually drops the kids off, and that day it was, he just happened to do it, and he, it was not part of his regular routine. God says, I will never forget you. I want you to know that God will never forget you. His commitment to you is unwavering, unfailing, never ending. The Bible says about God, Jesus Christ says, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't say, I pace at the door. I stand. If he takes you to your 90 to answer the call of Jesus, he will stand. He's committed to you. God is committed to you. The second reason why I know that God loves you is because of his sacrifice for you. The first is his commitment to you. The second is his sacrifice for you. He sacrificed for you. Hmm. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love. I'll talk about that maybe next week or the week after. That love is something that must be demonstrated. It's not just words. No matter what you say, your actions must prove love. It, <laughs> and this is unfortunate for a lot of ladies because they believe what a guy says more than what he does. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. His sacrifice is proof that he loves you. Proof that he loves you. If you can measure the money in the bank based on dollars, the measurement of love is sacrifice. Yes, it's sacrifice. And God showed us that clearly from Scripture. He sacrificed for you. Jesus died for you. He didn't die a cute death. It was gruesome. It was terrible. It was embarrassing. I know that he loves you because of not just his commitment and sacrifice, but because of his investment in you. What he invests in you. That's how you know that you love your children. You invest in them. Everything you do, you do for your children. You do for your children. You invest in them. And God invested in us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He made us, not just did he just die for us, he made us sons and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. His investment in us. First John chapter 3, 1-2, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed. I'll change that word for invested in us. It says that we should be called what? Children. He could have died for you. You don't have to be called a child of God. You can be called a worshiper of Jesus, a servant of God, but he says that we should be called children of God. His investment in you. And the fourth reason why I can tell you firmly that God loves you is because of his plans for you. His plans for you. The Bible says that I know the thoughts I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope and a future or an expected end. And you see, God has great plans for you on the earth. But that's not the part that really proves his love for you. What proves his love for you is the fact that his future plan for you is to be with him forever. Do you understand that? To be completely inseparable. To be with him for all eternity. Never to leave his presence again. That's his plan for you. So if you're worried about, you're thankful about the fact that, oh, God's plan for me. I saw a vision and God saw, I saw some Range Rovers in my parking lot. That's a great plan. That's a great, that's lovely. I can use one too. But... The biggest thing about God's plan for you is a future with him. The future with him. 
So it's like you take a child, maybe you're a rich, rich, rich person, well-to-do, and you see a child on the street who's homeless, looking battered, has cabies and all that, and you, number one, you commit yourself to that child that I'll make sure that this child turns out. I'll pay your education, I'll pay your medical bills, and all that. But beyond that, I'll also make sacrifices for you. Because you can spend money, and it might not be a sacrifice for you if you have a lot of money. So I'll be at every game. I'll take you to music lessons and teach you swimming. That's sacrificial. But beyond that, you know what? I'll also invest in you. I'll adopt you. I'll give you my last name. Make you a heir with me. And then I'll give you amazing plans for your future. I'll leave an inheritance for you. That's what God did for us. That's what God did for us. And guess what? This should be... This is quite puzzling because you look at it and you're going, well, if this happens between two equals, it's impressive enough as it is. Like if a man and wife, you're both homo sapiens <laughs> most of the time, human beings, you love each other so deeply and you commit yourselves to one another, you sacrifice for each other, invest in one another, each other, and you have plans for each other. That's great. And when you see great love like that, it's a beautiful thing to behold. But that's a love between people that are not equal. This is God to you. So I'm going, me? Really? You will do that for me? So this is humbling. But it should also make us give God a kind of praise that has understanding behind it. And I'm so thankful that you will love me this way. So thankful that you will commit yourself to me in this manner. So thankful, so grateful to you. He doesn't love you because you are valuable. It's his love for you that makes you valuable. Do you understand that? The, the love that God, the investment that God has put in you is what gives you value. It's not because, oh, God is like, oh, I'm, I'm just so, wow, you're so amazing. You weren't, the Bible says, wow, we we're still sinners. Then he died for us. So we weren't worthy of his love, but he gave his love to us, and his love made us worthy. Made us worthy. Why must we understand God's love? The first reason why is because you cannot walk with God without understanding his love. You will, the enemy is constantly, if you don't know this, I'll tell you this for free. The enemy is constantly trying to misrepresent God to you. That's what he did to Eve. He said, did God say? Like God didn't really have your best interest at heart. That's one of the tricks of the enemy. He would constantly try to misrepresent God to you. And so if you don't have an understanding of his love, he will succeed. He will tell you, if God loves you, why, why are things like this happening to you? I mean, there are unbelievers out there. They're doing well. Why is your own different? Your, your God doesn't really love you. You must understand God's love for you because it is the foundation of everything that we have with God. If you build, look, if you build your entire Christian walk, no matter how solid your structure looks, without understanding the love that God has for you, you are not secure because there are certain things that would happen to you in life that the only antidote, the only thing that would give you peace is that you know that God loves you. I, I, I mean only. There's nothing else that would give you peace in some situations apart from the conviction you have in your heart that God loves you. That God loves you. Your foundation is not secure. Another reason why you must understand God's love is because the understanding of God's love is a very major faith booster. Yeah. 
When you know the character of God and know that God loves you unconditionally, there are many things you can trust him for. And trust him, die trusting him because you know he loves you. But if you don't know the character of God, your faith will be shaky. You say, oh, I'm trusting God for healing. <clears throat> and when you start praying, you pray for one year, two years, you're like, God doesn't, maybe God. No, if you know that God loves you, your faith will be stronger. It's a faith booster. It boosts your faith to know that God loves me and he wants the best for me. And because of that, even when things don't work out, I know that it's still working out. Do you understand that? Because he loves me. It's a faith booster. So what do you do with God's love? Number one, you must believe it. I know it sounds too good to be true. And that's why it's only the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can give you firm understanding of the love of God. You must believe it. Believe it. Believe it. I need you to believe that God loves you. I need you to know that he loves you. There are many things we read in scripture. I realized many years of dealing with Christians that there are many things we read in the Bible that we don't believe. Let's just, let's just not lie. Oh, let's not lie. It's true. There are many things you write in the Bible and you're like, yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. Someone told me that they're going to throw you into the lion's den if you don't deny God. 95% of us here would deny God. And we would ask for forgiveness. Because we didn't believe that lion really didn't eat Daniel. We thought that it was some kind of a myth. Believe it. Please believe it. Believe what? Number one, believe that it is true. And number two, believe the intensity and the extent of his love. It's unconditional. By the way, the love of God is not exclusive to Christians. To the whole world. I studied my Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests to me that God loves Christians more than he loves unbelievers. He loves the world. The Bible says, for God to love the world that he gave. The only difference between Christians and unbelievers is that we have accepted his love. That's it. So you must believe it, number one. Number two, you must receive it. I tell this analogy all the time when I talk about this, that if a guy proposes to you, plans the best proposal in the world, takes you to the Eiffel Tower, helicopter hanging, the guy's like, ooh, love you, love you, I'll die for you, marry me. And you're so excited about the proposal that you say, oh my God, me, and you run away. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> have you, the guy's probably like, dude, is that a yes or a no? Are we going to accept this or not, right? You have to receive God's love. Believing it is not enough. You must receive it. So there's, a, there's something that believing does for you. It's the entryway, but there are only certain things that only receiving would do for you. It's when you receive God's love that you can receive his forgiveness. You know, many of us struggle to forgive ourselves, even after God has loved us, has forgiven you. The reason why is you've not received his love. You understand it mentally, but you, do, you don't receive it. Because if you've received this love, you will have no issue forgiving yourself. You must receive it. That's what happens when you give your heart to Jesus, but you must receive it daily. It's a constant thing. Receive his love. Number three, you must appreciate his love. Never take it for granted that God loves you. Never take it for granted that God loves you. So when you wake up in the morning this week, practical, please remember to thank God for his love for you. Whether you feel like it or not, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, from God's point of view, love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. God can never command you to feel something. 
you get that two years from now. It's a commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. How can you command me to feel something? It's a choice. Appreciate his love. Thank you, Father, for your love for me. Thank you for your commitment. I've given you at least four things you can thank God for. His commitment to you. His sacrifice for you. His investment in you. And his plans for your future. Don't get too familiar. Don't get too familiar at all. Number four, what must I do with the love of God? You must reciprocate. It's the reasonable thing to do, isn't it? To reciprocate the love that God has given you. The Bible says it's your reasonable service. I find that we have many unreasonable Christians. You pour your love, God has poured his love on us, done everything for us, giving you, if nothing, at least he's giving you Jesus. But we struggle to love him back. And I'll talk about the love we should have for God next week and how we demonstrate our love for God. You must reciprocate, make a commitment to love him. By the way, <laughs> when the Bible says this about God, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, depending on what translation you read, everything together, you're going, isn't this too much? Can't I just love you a little bit? Well, guess what? He did not love you a little bit because if he loved you a little bit, you would not be here right now. Some of you, it took 10 years of the Holy Spirit tugging upon the strings of your heart before you yielded to him and gave your life to Jesus. Even after you gave your life to Jesus, you were still living like you weren't saved. And he stayed with you. Stayed with you. Reciprocate. Love him back. Love him back. Lastly, you must propagate his love. Propagate. You must spread it. Tell others about it. Show it to others. Tell your friend that's going through a tough time. I don't know why we are so, so, we've lost the heart for the souls of men. Tell them Jesus loves you. If that's the only witnessing you can do, trust me, the Holy Spirit has enough to work on that person's heart. You don't have to know John and 1 Corinthians and 3 Hebrews. Just, Jesus loves you. I know you're going through it, my friend, but Jesus loves you. I've received his love, oh, it's working for me. You should try to. If that's your entire sermon, you've done good. In it, you've done good. Propagate his love. Let's say the five together. Number one, receive. Believe, receive. Sorry, my bad. My bad, my bad, bro. Believe. <laughs> receive. Appreciate. Reciprocate. And propagate. So this week, grant forgiveness to someone. That's propagating God's love. Some of you are like, ah, I'm not there yet. We need to get to week three of this series, Pastor. Just grant forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Demonstrate it. This week, pray five minutes a day. For someone that's not directly connected to you, just show love. There's this person in your building, maybe she's, you know she's going through stuff. Just, they don't have to know. Don't go and say, I've been praying for you. In fact, this whole week, I haven't slept until midnight. You are not saved. <laughs> Just pray for someone that is not your family member. Show love. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.